welcome everybody we're glad to have you here with us i'm nick this is george and slade and like a bad case of the herpes we are back for another episode of the jack wagon sports show on the jack wagon sports network we got a lot of stuff to talk about it so i'm not gonna fuck around anymore george why don't you go ahead and let him know yeah i mean we, we tried to fucking do this yesterday but nick had some technical difficulties and we, we couldn't get it done and slate threw a hissy fit because we were doing it without him and he didn't like that we were making fun of him so we scrapped it. We're back today. We're, we're trying to do it again. Uh, so we're going to try and get through this uh, in, in, in one take. Um, but here we are. But yeah, like Nick said, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, golf, uh, NHL free agency is underway. Uh, it's almost wrapped up at this point after two days. Uh, and then we got a lot of racing to talk about. Um, so Slade, why don't you get us started here, buddy? I don't know when I was complaining about you guys making fun of me because I didn't <laughs> even know about it, but Start us off with golf. Uh, Xander Shoffley has been on one heck of a hot streak. He had back-to-back start wins. Um, he, he just, for the longest time, I'd pick him for my fantasy team, and then he'd play like shit. Um, now, I wasn't picking him, and he's playing amazing. Uh, him, we had uh, the start of the, the Open today, and also... Just a lot to go on there today because Tiger's there. There is one hell of a amount of wind going on there. We've seen a lot of weather at the tournaments this year, but just to be able to see the wind there today was just pretty crazy to watch. So starting off, what are your guys' thoughts on Shoffley, and who was your favorite pair to watch today? We'll start with you, Nick. Yeah, um, I was working a good bit today, so I didn't get to watch as much as I wanted to. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, Tiger Woods, I, I, he could have been with anybody else for his other two in his pairing. And I'd probably say Tiger Woods because this, there's a realistic chance that this might be the last time that we get to watch Tiger play, or at least at the PG or on the PGA tour. Um, so I, I, I'd have to say that was, um, what I was paying the most attention to, even though he didn't start out very hot. Okay, and George, what are your thoughts? It's it's day one. It's day one. He's fine. Um, no. To be fair, his entire day got fucked up on the first hole when he hit his tee drive into a fucking divot, and it like Mm -hmm. fucking took this weird ass bounce. Uh, I mean, think about us. Like, why don't we go play golf? And we like we're like, you know what? We're gonna go out there. We're gonna have a great day. And your first fucking tee shot takes a stupid bounce. Like the rest of the day, like mentally, you're trying to scramble. Oh yeah. Um, granted, he was able. He struggled the rest of the front night. I think he birdied one on the back nine uh, but overall yeah still struggling um the course conditions this week are i don't want to say horrendous but they are very difficult uh and, you know a lot of the guys are talking about the slope the wind is playing in uh, an effect um we saw i know hovland uh took an unplayable out of a bunker today because it was like right up against the one wall i think somebody else did as well i think with speed took an unplayable out of a bunker um so i mean that but that's what the open championship is all about it's it's supposed to be the most difficult championship out of, out of all of them. You know, you go to Augusta, you go to the same course every year, uh, the PGA, yeah, they change places and they, they go to some pretty difficult places, but for the most part, you can kind of expect the same things out of every course when you go to the PGA or the U S open. Um, it seems like every year they go to the open championship, even though it's link style golf every year, even when they go to, you know, repeat courses like St. Andrews, every time they go there, something is just completely different about it and just throws a wrench in everything, whether it be the weather, the course itself, whatever it may be. Um, and that's when I, I really feel like you get the best out of these golfers and you see 
arguably who the best in the world is. Um, you know, we saw a lot of action back and forth on day one. Um, some surprising names at the top of the leaderboard. We an, an amateur, I want to say, is he's in fourth place, or he was at one point. Uh, T5. T5. Uh, T dropped down to T5. Um, Ernie Els was in second place at one point this morning. I had to do it. I'm eating breakfast, and all of a sudden I look up, and he goes, ELs. I went, who the fuck is that? And then it cuts to Ernie L's. I went, holy shit, Ernie L's is in second fucking place. <laughs> had to be an early thing. Like when John right. Daly was leading yeah, uh, was, at, the, at the Masters I'm, or whatever. I mean, it was it was early, but he was like 12 holes in, and he was in second behind um, Cameron Young. I mean, at the end of the day, that's still for his age, and, and you know, that was just just to see his name up there was surprising. Uh, you got Taylor Gooch tied for fifth. Dustin Johnson, those live guys uh, for once showing up at a tournament. Um, but yeah, just a, an all over the place leaderboard. And then, of course, you do have some of the, the usual suspects up there. Uh, Scheffler tied fifth. Um, Hovland tied fifth. Who it's, It would be interesting to see if he can continue this throughout the weekend because we've talked about it a lot, about how he has struggled. Um, it, you know, the season as a whole, he went from almost winning the players to, you know, missing a lot of cuts, struggling at a lot of majors and so on. Uh, Cam Smith, Rory McIlroy, um, you know, second and tied third. Um, but this is going to be a lot of fun. I set my alarm for 1.30 this morning and I tried to get up and I, I knew I was going to stay up the whole time, but I just at least want to like put it on the TV and go back to sleep. It didn't work out. I did wake up at like five and put it on. Um, but... <laughs> I really enjoy watching this. George is not a morning person. No, I am not. Um, but St. Andrews is such a cool course to just see them play. I mean, it's definitely up there on the, the bucket list of courses to go play in your life. Um, as far as uh, Xander Schauffele, uh, I didn't see how he was doing today. Slade, he's in your fantasy team. How's he doing? Yeah, so he he ended up bogey in 18, so he was tied for fifth. Okay. I think that sent him down to being tied for like 11th or I think it's no, 13th. I just saw 13. Yeah. yeah. 13. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, nonetheless, it's day one. He's in the top 20 per se. Um, that's a really good start. Uh, incredible how he's just turned it on here as a late. Uh, this is somebody who, after the waste management, was looked like he was in contention to win that, fell apart on Sunday along with Kepka. All of a sudden, it was Cantley and, and um, Scotty Scheffler, you know, fighting out for the win. Um, and ever since that point, it looked like he just wasn't mentally able to recover. It, it was still affecting him every round he played. Uh, he went out to the Zurich Classic. He wins that alongside Cantley. Um, and I, I don't want to say that gave him confidence because it's really hard when you have a team competition and you win it. And your partner is one of the best <laughs> in, in the game right now. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, he comes on right after the U.S. Open. He goes out and wins the Travelers. Uh, with a really good come from behind win. Um, and then he goes out and he wins the uh, that pro-am. You know, we talked, it doesn't really count. But at the same yeah. time, he played really well, yeah. beat a lot of, you know, high names. And then he goes to the Scottish Open and just had a great weekend from start to finish. Um, so his confidence has to be through the roof. Uh, you know, he is making a charge towards the top of the FedEx Cup standings now. I mean, he still has a long way to go, but... Um, he, he's getting hot at the right time. You know, he's continued it at least on day one of the open. Uh, we'll see how he does the rest of the weekend. Uh, but when he goes back to America to finish out the, the FedEx Cup season, definitely name to watch out for, especially once they get to, you know, the, the, the playoffs. Yeah, so I think the most impressive thing is that 
we did our picks last week for golf and we all kind of shit the bed with our picks because I don't think any of our picks made the, made the cut. That was that was a rough week. Um yeah. this week we each have at least one guy in the top five, which really makes it a little bit more competitive. Uh you guys each have uh one and second and then or you one of you guys have a second place, the other has a third, and then I, I got Schaffler, or uh yeah, Scheffler barely hanging on to fifth. Um but yeah, so I, I think that it's gonna be a great tournament. I think it it's really nice to have Tiger out there. I think that there is a ton of pressure on him because, I mean, he was asked multiple times this week if retirement's an option after this tournament. Mm-hmm. And he's like, retirement? No, not me. And so I, I think that it's just like, they're just really asking these questions that are like kind of going to put a bad like taste in his mouth, you know? Yeah. Uh, obviously, he doesn't need to play anymore. Um, he does it because he it's his it's his game it's the game he loves um it is really cool to see him and rory got to play together this past week um practicing out there uh they showed a couple videos of tiger putting his balls at rory while rory was trying to practice on the putting green um they also showed that they got to take a picture while they were walking from the one uh tee box to the other and it was kind of funny because it looked as if like because tiger had his driver in his hand uh, it looked as if they were using a selfie stick, the two of them, which was just <laughs> odd to see the two of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, Shoffley in general, the past couple of weeks, like you had said, is, has just been on a tear. Um, almost kind of like we saw Scheffler at the beginning of the season. I think that if he can rip off another top five this week, that he's definitely going to be setting himself up good for the uh, the end of the season later on. Um what what do you guys think after day one? Who is your pick to win the tournament now that you got to see a day one? I know uh, George said it's just one day, but is he yeah. going to pick Tiger or is he going to go no. with someone else? George, you can no. start. I think Tiger's going to have a much better second day. Uh, I mean, I, it's gonna, I know it's going to take a lot to even make the cut. Um, but aside from that, like going with a winner, um, the, the brief moments we got to talk last night about this, uh i took rory after day one i am i'm gonna stick with that uh he's looked really good um majors always have like this ebb and flow to them like some people will will play really really well and they they jump out to a big lead on day one and then they struggle to keep that up throughout the weekend um i think rory has put himself in a really good position he didn't shoot a crazy low score uh he was out there early so i mean he dealt with some pretty difficult conditions early on in the day uh, but was able to hand him nicely throughout the day. Uh, he's been out there for weeks practicing, you know, like we talked about with Tiger. Um, so I think he's probably set up in the best position. Uh, he would be my my outright just pick. If I had to go with somebody who may be further back in the field that could come up and win it, um, Tiger. that's hard. No. <laughs> if he makes a cut, he might make a charge at the top He's 20. only 14 strokes back. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, like I said, I think it's hard to go against Shoffley, which is how, how hot he is right now. I thought uh, for sure you were going to pick Taylor Gooch since you haven't gotten really bet on him since he switched over to live. No, um, <laughs> I refuse to, to pick a live golf guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just think my, my outright pick is, is Rory, uh, but my dark horse, I'm going to, Granted, it can't be that uh, dark horse of a pick. He's only T13, and he didn't have a terrible day. Um, but uh, he's not in the, the lead pack right now, so I'll take him as my, my dark horse. What about you, Nick? 
What are your thoughts? Uh, Who do you think is your pick? So uh, when George and I tried to do this last night, I would said, said Matt Fitzpatrick. He's currently sitting T55 at even, um, which isn't necessarily out of it for being a Masters and, you know, in difficult playing conditions. However, um, I am going to change that just because that's not exactly my most confident pick. Um, I'm going to have to go with my person currently sitting at T3, and that's Cam Smith. Um, we typically see – we talk about it all the time because at the beginning of our golf fantasy, I would pick him all the time. And then after the, because originally we did cuts after Thursday and after Thursday, he's like sitting plus two or some shit. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm cutting him. And then he turns around and ends up like T13. Um, but he's currently sitting at third. He had a good day. Um, if he can do what he normally does and continue to better his play um, as the weekend goes on, he's got a really good shot. Uh, he's sitting, let me make sure I get this right one shot behind Rory and three shots behind the lead. So um, we'd kind of talked about it before the show. Uh, you know, Cam Young has been putting on some good performances, especially on Thursdays and even some Fridays, but I don't really see him holding on to, uh, you know, this few stroke lead that he has. So my outright pick is going to be Cam Smith. As far as my dark horse pick, um, it sounds ridiculous because I feel like I pick him every week, but if I'm picking somebody that's back in the field, that's going to make a charge uh, and be in a position to win on Sunday. Yeah. It's got to be JT. I mean, we've seen it how many times this season. Um, yeah, I don't know how he does it, but if he's within eight strokes going into Sunday, you better be on your best fucking behavior. It's um, fucking hilarious. You too. George is not going to pick a major without picking tiger on his team. And you're not going to pick a, a tournament without trying to get Justin Thomas on your team. It's hilarious. I, I didn't even get him this week either. You bastards. Yeah. Um, you had first him. fucking pick and you skipped well, on I, him. Don't give me shit. Yeah. Well, I also skipped on worry and he's his favorite. Okay. And Scotty Scheffler. I, I don't think I've had Scheffler on my team once this year. I, I don't know why. It's not that I hate the guy. And obviously, he does good in tournaments, but I just, I don't know. I feel like he's on my team every week. He never performs. Every, well, he only no, performs before you pick I first started every week. He was always on my team. And aside from when he won the Masters, every other time he, like, finished, like, lower down and, like, guys that could have looked before him finished higher. So I was like, all right, fine. I'm not, I'm not I'm going to stop taking him. And then there was a bunch of tournaments, like, he, he just didn't play. And so... I was like, I got used to taking all these other guys. And so half the time, I, hey, I forget he's in the field. But, like, this week, I was like, okay, Nick is taking Scheffler first. Like, there's no way he skips on him. Because he did it at the U.S. Open, too. He fucking skipped on him. He had the first pick. I was like. I know. And I was waiting. I, like, I wasn't picking because I wasn't answering the text messages. And you're like, I'm just going to put him down for Scotty yeah, Scheffler. Yeah. I was like, well, if Nick's not taking him, I'll take him. But this time, like, I had a, a draft strategy. It's okay, Scheffler's going first. I can't take him. So I had all these other draft picks lined up, and Nick didn't take him. I went, "Oh shit!" Well, I nope, I'm I'm sticking to this. So I took him anyway. But I was like, oh, fuck. Well, I was gonna pick, I was gonna go with Rory first. Remember how I told you yesterday that I changed my draft strategy a little bit before we did it? Well, I yeah. was gonna pick Rory first, and of course, every time I don't pick Rory, the man shows up. And even sometimes when I do pick him, he shows up. But nonetheless, yeah, it was funny, definitely, because George had his draft like he had an idea of what he wanted to do. And he said that, and then Nick, you had said like, "Yeah, I was thinking about it at work today. Like, I got a, I got a pretty good idea of what I want." And then first pick, we're like, "Okay." Yeah, he so sat there pick? for like five and minutes. He's like, "Uh." <laughs> yeah, I had a strategy. I didn't like say I had minute. names. It was like out. a minute. I just had a he strategy. Like, all right. It was like a minute. And he's like, "All right, let me look at this." Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was more of a all right. You're gonna pick whoever you want first overall, and then you don't have another pick for another five picks. 
So I was like looking at where people, and that didn't even work out because I, one of you picked the person that I was looking at for my second. The snake pick. draft that definitely makes it hard. Um, oh, sure. I'm gonna pick Rory because I think that he has been the most outspoken person when it comes to anything to do with Live Golf and the PGA, and so I think that it would be hilarious if I mean the couple of times that I turned the volume on the golf when I had it on the TV today. It was, uh, these live golfers are really performing today compared to what they've done here recently. And so I just think that it, it would just be very fittingly if, if Rory was able to win in a field of the live golfers that they had their best tournament when being able to compete with the PGA players. Um, dark horse, I would think about, uh, I don't know. I think that. It's not really a dark horse, but I think Bryson DeChambeau could get a lot, a lot of um, like power behind his name if he was able to get a win. Fair enough. Uh, you look, you right. look like you're, you're dressed to go golfing. Well, yeah, I was. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was dressed in the car. Yeah, Slade was on his way to the, the golf, golf course. The golf course is literally right across the street. I didn't even get to the bottom <laughs> of development. I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he would have been on first tee like, shit. Good times, good times. But so, are you guys ready to move into what I know is George's favorite part about tonight? I'm sure Nick also a good part of yours because it oh, yeah. involved the majority of our group chat over we're, the past couple of days. We're 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 really excited about this, but we were talking about this yesterday because we were we were upset mm-hmm. that we were going to do this, but you weren't going to be here for it. Are you more excited about me butchering all these? Yes, names? <laughs> that is yeah. exactly 100%. what we're excited for. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So. I was thinking about that, and I was like, all right, let's practice these. And I'm like, nope, no, I'm just going to go with it. You got to bring it. You, you say it. Uh, hold on. And to give you an example, Slade, during the Hoser show, and mind you, I knew 100% after it came out of my mouth that it was, it was not correct at all. But I had called Martin St. Louis, Martin St. Louis, and as soon, like, as soon as I said it, I was like, well. I think I laughed it. for a solid five minutes when you did that. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. It was a decent but, amount of time. Regardless. It's okay. You, you're, you're new to this. I won't laugh at you quite as hard, um, but I, I'll, I will help you along with it. So the, NF, the NHL free agency has started and has definitely been steamrolling compared to any of the other sports free agencies. So much has happened in just, what, two days? Mm-hmm. Um, the first person, which we're going to start out with fucked up name. Uh, why can't there be like Mark Josephs or something like that? Like <laughs> At least the second one is like something Even- I can pronounce. Even the names that are like spelled normally, when you get to them, you're just like, yeah. you say it, and it's like, oh yeah, no, that's not right. You're just like, I'm sorry, what? I know the one just because I watched the Penguins, Chris, Chris Letang. There you go. Well, I know the Pittsburgh ones. So let's let's put it that way. Okay. Um, Got so it. we're gonna start out with, I think his name is Ville Husso. Ville Husso. Yep. Ville I mean, Husso. it was close. It was close. So he's mind you, I don't know if George double checked this or not, but he wasn't even sure if he was pronouncing it correctly yesterday. So no, no. <laughs> Yeah. So so he has signed with Detroit for a three-year $14.25 million deal. What are your guys' thoughts? Was this a plus for him and Detroit, or is this a bad move? Uh, I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Um, he, he's a really decent young goaltender. Uh, you know, he's sat behind Jordan Bennington for years now. Uh, he, when he has gotten a chance to play, he's, he's shown he has great potential. Um, now he's, you know, ma- being made the star of the show in Detroit. Uh, Detroit has invested a shit ton uh, in free agency and, and you know, the offseason so far. 
Uh, Steve Yarzman has made some really great moves there. That is going to be a very dangerous team. Uh, Nick and I touched on it briefly yesterday. Um, you know, this is a team who, like, midway through the season, they're like they're they're kind of in the, the wild card race, but not really. And then throughout the rest of the season, they fell off. They, they scrapped some guys at the trade deadline, uh, but they went into this offseason that they they are determined to change their losing ways. They want to get back to the proud franchise that they were, you know, the early two thousands, uh, late nineties, especially. Um, I think this is a great. Uh, he's better than most of the goaltenders that were up on the, the free agency market. Um, and so I, like I said, I give this one a thumbs up for both of them. Nick, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with George. Um, now had they not made some of the moves that they did, um, which we'll get to in a little bit, I would have said great for the team. Good for him. Um, but like George said, this is a team that, um, you know, obviously we don't necessarily know what we're going to get out of them this season. Um, but it should definitely be better than you know, what we got out of them last season. And that wasn't even, you know, a bad season. So uh, same thing, thumbs up for both. And George is adding fucked up names to the list as we speak. (laughs) So second, Nick, we'll start with you on this one. Tony D'Angelo from Philly for two years, $10 million. I think that that's probably one of the only ones I'm going to pronounce semi-close to how it's supposed to be said. Uh, so I'm not sure how George wrote this up and I don't remember the exact deal, but I'm pretty sure he went to Philly. Um, yeah. Two years, $10 million. Yeah. So, um, bad for him. Cause fuck Philly. Uh, <laughs> I, they're still going to suck. So I, I kind of want to say bad for the team too, but whatever. So bad I'll for him. Cause fuck simple. Philly. Okay. Yeah. George, what thumbs up, thumb down. Originally I was going to give this a thumbs up. Um, I mean, Tony Dandrew is a piece of shit and fuck Philly. But at the end of the day, he is. It cancel out? Does yeah. that cancel out? No. A piece of shit in the shitty team? Pemdas. No. <laughs> um, but originally when they made this deal, I thought it was, it was a pretty good signing. Uh, he's still, at the end of the day, a decent player. Uh, and he can help a struggling Philadelphia team. Their issue was they were hanging their hat on signing Johnny Gaudreau. Um, At the end of the day, Johnny doesn't sign with them. And now they have a bunch of shitty players locked in the shitty contracts uh and, and no real solution to improve them from last year to this year they might overall be a better team at the end of the day they they might finish fifth in the metro division they're not a playoff team in my eyes um so original signing i was going to give this uh you know like a middle of the thumb to the thumbs up uh after the rest of the stuff unfolded and you their master plan to uh if that's really what it was, is to go get Johnny Gaudreau, um, you know, didn't work out. I, I'm going to give it a thumbs down now. All right. Uh, next is Philip Forsberg. He signed with Nashville for eight years, $68 million. Thumbs up or thumbs down, George? I'm going to give it a thumbs up because he's, he's a face of that franchise. Um, and he's obviously one of the, the best players available in the league. Uh, coming into free agency. Um, he, he wants to stay in Nashville for his career. And I, I give Nashville a thumbs up for making that happen. And I give him a thumbs up for, for doing that. The only concern I have, and I, this is for anybody that signs this kind of contract, eight year contracts always concern me. Uh, you know, unless it's like a, a rookie phenom that comes in like, uh, like a Sidney Crosby, um, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, a player of that caliber that comes in, 
I get scared of eight-year contracts because year six, uh, nine times out of 10, his production falls off. It might even be sooner than that. We've seen plenty of eight-year deals fall apart in year one. Um, But once you get to year six and his production starts to decline, it gets hard to sign other guys to fill that in because, you know, their price tags are going to be higher. Granted, $68 million over eight years is, is a steal for a player of his caliber. Um, like I said, I just get concerned when I see that eight-year mark. Even if they would sign him a, a million, eight years, $8 million, a million dollars a year, and they had a shit ton of cap space every year, just eight-year contracts always always scare me. And I, if, if I'm a GM in the NHL, my I go six at the most for like somebody of, of Forsberg's character or, or stature, I guess I, I want to say. Um, like a player of that level, the only time I would break out more than that is like I said, if it's a it's a Crosby, a McDavid, something like that. And even then, I'm only going seven. Uh, you know, lucky number, I guess. I just I've never seen an eight year contract work out. Um, that's my biggest thing. Yeah. So I'm confused as to why in sports an eight year contract would be a good idea in general, just yeah. because sports years are like an eternity, mm-hmm. especially I mean, in the NHL. Like I mean. Yeah. I mean, they're literally getting hit for a living. Yeah, you're getting hit. I mean, you're, you're skating around on ice. I mean, yeah, it's, hey, you're, you're taking pucks off the body all the time. You know, it's it's a brutal sport. And if you're a perennial playoff, like, border team, especially like the Predators are, and then you get into the playoffs and you're wearing your body out more and more, and the longer you go, the less rest time you have for the next season. It you're catches up with playing you. an extra 20 games a year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the next person is Valerie Nishushkin. <laughs> Colorado, Nichushkin. You were yeah. close. That wasn't that wasn't terrible. That that, was yeah, that wasn't. I thought he was going to do. I, I was waiting signed... for him going Nichushkin. <laughs> so he signed an eight-year, forty-nine million dollar deal with the Avalanche. What yeah. are your guys' thoughts, Nick? Which, actually, Nick, I don't think I asked you. First. He did it. That's all right. I was thinking. I was thinking we Give all me your thumbs anyway. up. Okay, okay, okay. Thumbs up, okay. thumbs down for uh, for Valerie. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, Good for Colorado. Um, you know, they're obviously, you know, going to have a hole or two in their roster now compared to what they did last season. Um, but, again, eight-year, you know, a little worrisome. The 49 mil price tag is a little cheaper. Um, so that definitely helps out uh, somewhat. Um, as far as he goes, you're with the Stanley Cup champions, you know, I, I – don't really think that's a bad deal no matter who you are uh so i'm gonna go ahead and give this one a thumbs up uh so the next three are gonna be favorites for george well maybe i don't know this is <laughs> I, I think that this is the one that i don't know anything about him rick ricard raquel rickard raquel <laughs> ricard ricard raquel one of the coolest um, names in the nhl by the way yeah. george and i talked about it yesterday uh i'll just to pittsburgh six years 30 million dollars so he's averaging five uh yeah five million a year I'll, I'll just talk about all three of them, uh, Raquel, Latang, and, and Malkin. Um, oh, great. I get your <laughs> Yeah. So, so they all signed America. long-term deals. Malkin, four. Yeah. Latang and Raquel, six. Um, they're all averaging about $5 million a year. So, yeah. so what are your thoughts? Uh, the fact that we were able to sign all three of these guys, including Brian Rust, uh, for under $30 million a year, I think it's like right around $29 million a year um, for all four of those guys is huge. Um, it's, it's great to keep our core together. Uh, Raquel did really well in his short time with Pittsburgh this year. 
The only concern I have, I love the Malkin contract, uh, four years, 24.4 million. Um, that, that's a perfect contract. I feel like the Latang and Raquel contracts are a little long. Uh, that's my, my only concern. Uh, Latang is getting up there in age. His production is already starting to come down a little bit. Uh, six years is a long time. Uh, granted, he, he's a great defenseman. Uh, he goes out there, he grinds minutes for us. He made a couple stupid bonehead plays this year at, at times, but everybody does that. That's, that's how it's, I, I'm glad Latang and Malkin are, are going to be Penguins for life. Um, they deserve to, to go out that way along with Crosby. Um, like I said, just my main concern is the length of both of those contracts. Uh, more so the Latang contract over the Raquel. Um, the Raquel, you know, eventually down the line, if his production starts to decline, he has a good name behind him. We can probably trade him to somebody like a like a bottom tier team that's you know trying to get some veteran leadership to you know turn their franchise around something like that. Um, but the, I mean, Latang and Malkin are, are staying for life. Uh, just that six years is worrisome to me about the Latang uh, contract. But other than that, very happy that we got all three of them to resign along with um, Rust. We got a couple other free agents. Uh, now we're looking to trade possibly a defenseman. There was a lot of rumors yesterday about us trading uh, for JT Miller. I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, if that's still on the table or what's going on there. Can you tell that truck to shut the fuck up? God damn. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, but overall, I was, I'm very pleased. I think our front office has done a great job. Uh, a lot of people, there's, there's my beautiful wife. Um, a lot of people were upset that the Malkin deal wasn't done sooner. He was going to go test free agency. Um, at the end of the day, uh, we got our guys. I'm happy. Uh, like I said, we might still be making some moves. We'll have to wait and see. So I guess my quick question is, before mm-hmm. we move on to the next guy, is everyone's averaging somewhere around 4 to $6 million with these contracts. What What is an like out-there contract? Like, What is uh, something like uh, Austin Matthews or uh, um, Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby? Like, what, what kind of contract does someone sign like that yearly-wise? Like, what is like one of those like like you, in the NBA a max contract's like fucking forty million dollars a year? Obviously, it goes off of what this league is producing, how much money's coming in. That's why their contracts aren't as big as mm-hmm. that. But but what is like a max contract in the NHL? Uh, yeah, the NHL is a lot different than like the NBA, MLB, and the NFL. Whereas those leagues have a lot more money coming in. Therefore, you know you, you see these guys getting almost hundred million dollar contracts every year. Like it's reasonably, it's, reasonably, but I'm yeah. saying like, what is 10 million, like a max contract for an NHL player, like yearly. I can't think of what the max. So like McDavid, let's see, like, yeah, he, he has a hundred million dollar contract. And that was, a, I think that set the NHL record. I want to say uh, is eight years, a hundred million dollars. Rightfully so deserved it. Oh, but yeah, I, I don't really know what like the max is. Or, so his is like 12, his is like 12 million a year. Yeah, I would say, yeah, 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 like a max contract, it would be like a like a ten million dollar a year contract. Okay. Um, but like again, that's reserved for like your superstars in hockey. It's really right. hard to have those guys, you know, every every year sign for that much. Whereas that's why you see a lot of these these five six million dollar deals for pretty big names. Um, right. And, and like, but they're giving them guaranteed money over a certain amount of years. That's right. why they're signing the eight year contract. Right. Um. Okay. So moving on. Claude Grooks. <laughs> so tell me how you really say it. Claude Giroux. Okay. 
Well, and I, Drew. I, I'll let Nick go, <laughs> but I also want to get my thoughts on this. Really okay, okay. so both of you. Uh, Ottawa signed him three-year, almost $20 million. Nick, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, first of all, loss for Ottawa. Um, I, I'd like to say mainly because he came from Philly, but he's a little older, doesn't produce the same way that he used to. Um, now, granted, you know, they're, they're trying to build themselves up and, you know, obviously get into contention. So I understand that you want some veteran leadership in your locker room. Um, so I'm not going to necessarily hate them for it. Uh, George and I had talked about it a little bit. I think they could have done better um, than Drew, but nonetheless, as far as he goes, uh, you went from Philly to Ottawa. Uh, I'm not going to call it a win, but I'm not going to call it a loss either. Um, I, I think Ottawa Anymore. might be, yeah, Ottawa might be on the right track. Um, so maybe, you know, in year two or three of this contract, it might look better for him. Um, but nonetheless, I, I think this is a pretty middle ground trade. George, what are your thoughts? Um, as far as Ottawa goes, yeah, granted, they, they could have signed some better players, but they have done a, a tremendous job this offseason bringing in some great players. Uh, they got Alex Debrinkat from Chicago in a trade. Um, they signed a couple other decent name free agents. I don't want to say big name. Um, they have really transformed that roster. Uh, one thing I, d- I didn't even realize yesterday, Nick, you said we, we briefly talked about it. I didn't even think about this, and I didn't know it until I heard other people. Well, I knew it, but I didn't remember until I heard other people talking about it today. Uh, Claude is from Ottawa. Like, he, that was, that's where he was oh, born and raised. It. So he really wanted to go back there. Uh, he understands that they're not a cup contender this year. Uh, they, they have a long way to go to get there. But if he's going to win a cup in his career, he's at that stage where he wants to go do it in his hometown. He wants to be closer to his family. And once I heard that, it it clicked in my head. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. And they got him, you know, a a veteran contract like that. Um, For like, you could argue. Yeah. I was going to say, you could argue they ever paid for him, but I mean, in in his mind, he knows what he's worth. Um, He, he got out of Philadelphia. Finally, he did some pretty good things in in Florida while he was there after the trade deadline. Um, So I, I'm going to say that's a decent contract for Ottawa. And now Giroux, you know, he gets to be closer to his family. And if he can somehow bring a cup to them, you know, it's, it's going to mean a lot more to him. And then it's, it's going to be even more special doing it in his hometown. For sure. Next yeah, on our list is that. something that I can definitely pronounce 100%. Oh, we'll see. Vander Kane. Oh, okay. There Vander Kane. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, uh, he signed with Edmonton four mm-hmm. year, $20.5 million. Thoughts, George? Uh, meh. Uh, I mean, it's he gelled really well with that team this past year uh, after bouncing around from team to team. He hated being on San Jose. Uh, he was on Buffalo first. He hated that. Um, he goes to San Jose. He hated it there. He went to Winnipeg. In all fairness, I don't blame him. But <laughs> No, but at the same time, he was also a gambling, cheating piece of shit. Yeah. So. But at the end of the day, uh, he gets out of there. He finally gets Edmonton to take a chance on him. He gets paired with Connor McDavid, and they did some really special things this year. Uh, they made to the, the Western Conference Finals. Edmonton as a whole has really beefed up, uh, you know, in, in free agency here. A lot of people are making fun of them because they've, they've taken a lot of players from the Maple Leafs. At the end of the day, that's, you know, Toronto's fault for not re-signing those players. And Edmonton liked what they saw in those players. They took them. And this is the team that made it a hell of a lot further than the playoffs last year. And goddamn Toronto. Um, Just hope that you don't need them to show up in a game seven. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, I he got great value. Uh, and I feel like it also allowed a lot of flexibility for Edmonton. 
to go get some of the players that they also need in free agency. Nick, next, Andre Burke. Yeah, shit. Burakovsky. That that is it. Really good. Good there job. Go. Yeah. Time with Seattle for five years at twenty seven and a half million dollars. What are your thoughts? Did the Kraken do good? Uh, yeah. I mean, we could have signed just about anybody on the free agent list and probably would have upgraded. I mean, we have some talent on the roster, but let's be honest, you don't finish third in the league, um, having you know top tier talent. So, uh, the, I think the team did very well. Um, Ron Francis seems to know what he's doing. Uh, George and I were talking about, or well, I guess we all were kind of talking about how um, we thought it was maybe going to be difficult for us to sign a bigger name player. You know, we've only had one season. A lot of times bigger name players want to go to a contender. Obviously, he probably seen that, you know, we have some great young talent, uh, especially in our two young center, centers, Beniers and Wright, uh, out of the last two drafts. So I'm assuming that probably had a lot to do with it. Five years, you know, didn't go crazy on the length. Uh, mm-hmm. 27 and a half million you're talking like five and a half ish million a year um, so not breaking the bank uh, the most important aspect for me is you know obviously coming from Colorado he knows how to win um, and not just win games but obviously he's now won a Stanley Cup um, so bringing that that knowledge and that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? experience to you know, uh, rather young, not only in, in terms of actual player age, but franchise, uh, young team is definitely going to help, um, you know, kind of help catapult us like we're looking to do. Because uh, Ron Francis said, you know, when he was acquiring draft picks at the trade deadline this past season, that he's not acquiring draft picks to sit there and blow all the draft picks in the draft. He wants that capital because he wants to win now and the team wants to win now. And I think this was a great first step. Thumbs up all the way. George, next is uh, Johnny Gaudreau. Gaudreau. I'm going to touch on this too. Unless, yeah. unless George happens to say close to what I'm thinking. I'm gonna... yeah. Okay, so uh, I think he signed with Columbus for seven years, $66.5 million. Uh, correct. Um, it was super confusing when this first came out yesterday. Uh, he left. Calgary. A lot of people didn't know why at first came out. He's like, I want to want to be closer to home. He grew up in New Jersey. Um, so immediately, as soon as he says that, um, and, and it came out how much money he turned down, I think he turned down another like $10 million. Uh, Calgary would have given him to stay there. Um, turn that down. He's like, I, I want to go. I want to be closer to home. Okay, that's fine. Uh, so immediately everybody's like, okay, he's either going to Philly, New Jersey, or the Islanders. Um, maybe even the, the Rangers, who knows? But you know, those are like the three big teams that are in the running for him, especially with the cat space and stuff. And then out of nowhere, oh, I, I signed with Columbus, and it was it was a little bit of shock. And the fuck is going on? Um, and then it, it somebody said it today, and it kind of made sense. Um, he he's very good at hockey. He's Johnny Hockey. Everybody, everybody loves him, but he wants to be in a situation where there's not a ton of pressure on him. He just likes going out there and playing hockey. And he wants to win some games. Obviously, he wants to compete for a cup, but he, he's me- mentally, and I don't know if this is true or not. Again, this is just what I heard, but in my mind, it made sense that um, he just wants to, you know, you know, help his team win. But at the same time, he doesn't want the spotlight on him nonstop. He, he doesn't want to be in a, a press-heavy town, especially like Philadelphia, where if he has one bad game, the whole city's going to fucking hate him. He, he wants to be in a situation where he, he doesn't have pressure on him to overperform and be, you know, a, a – 
um, an MVP candidate every year and lead his team to the finals and all this other stuff. He, he wants to be in a situation where if he has success, everybody loves him. If he doesn't, everybody kind of understands. And there's, there's not a tremendous amount of hate and, and pressure on him from the local media and, and just overall media. If he goes to Columbus, you know, ESPN is like, Oh, like, okay, well, you know, if they win, they win, but you know, nobody expects anything on Columbus. He, so he, he took that into account. He is closer to home now. Um, so I mean, th- I think overall he's happy. Columbus gets a great player, a pair with Patrick Lane, if they can, you know, work a deal with him as well, um, and get him to stay there longer. Uh, Columbus could be a sleeper team next year, but uh, good signing for both of them. So basically a thumbs up from you guys based on his morale for, for reason for leaving. Um, uh, and, and it seems like he is someone that, with you guys calling him Johnny Hockey and that, he just loves the game. He's going to be someone that plays the game forever, whether it's in the NHL or in some rec mm-hmm. league where he lives, you know? Um, uh, just real quick before you move on. Uh, so he turned down between 15 and $17.5 million per year. Not, not, not overall per year uh, from Calgary, uh, just to get, just to get out of there. So honestly, he would have been the highest, play, he would have been the highest paid player. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he would have passed. I mean, his overall contract wouldn't have, but yeah, his yearly contract. Right, right, right. But yeah, his David. yearly contract would have been yeah. over that. Yeah. Damn. Um, Respect. Next up is David Perron. Perron? Perron, yeah. Signed with Detroit. Also, Detroit picked up Andrew Kopp, uh, both for about five-ish million dollars a year. Um, mm-hmm. What are your guys' thoughts on that? We'll do up, thumbs up, thumbs down on both of them. George? I was, I was going to see if Nick knew anything about either of them. Uh, I, I, <laughs> uh, David Prawn, lifelong St. Louis Blue, played there, I want to say, 15 years? He's been in St. Louis a long time. A lot of fans were very upset. St. Louis didn't even offer him a contract. They, they didn't want to resign him at all. Um, a lot of fans were very upset about that. Detroit, again, a team that has built up a lot through, throughout the free agency and, and trades and, and so on. Um, now they get a great veteran leader who still grinds out minutes. Uh, he can actually, I think he's scored 20 goals the past three years, it said. Um, so he's still a good goal scorer on, on the, you know, the right defense. Um, I've always had a lot of respect for him. Uh, Love the city of St. Louis. Uh, sad to see him, you know, have to basically get kicked out of his hometown. Um, but great pickup for Detroit. Uh, and it should just even help bolster that team even more. Andrew Kopp. Um, I think it was Winnipeg he got traded from to New York at uh, the trade deadline, made a huge impact on that team and, and was a big reason behind why they, they made it so deep into the playoffs. Um, so kind of surprised to see New York let him walk, especially after the performance he put on. Um, but that's a huge signing for Detroit now. They get, you know, they know what they're getting. They know the, the kind of player he can be. And like I said, again, can't stress this enough. They, they're putting one hell of a team together right now in free agency. I don't think it quite a cup contender, a definitely a playoff contender. And as we saw this year, once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Um, but Steve Eiserman has done a great job uh, so far. And it, this is definitely got to be the most improved team this year. I, I would say a step ahead of Ottawa even, uh, just because Detroit already had a great young core there. Uh, they just couldn't quite seem to build around them. They've done that in this free agency period. And, and again, with all the trades and stuff, um, so I'm going to, Detroit right now is going to be projected as my most improved team next year. All right. Nick, do you have a thumbs up also for that? 
Yeah, so like like George said, I really didn't know a whole lot about either of them. Um, I had seen a little bit about the uh, was it Peron? I'm sorry, I'm like completely yes. blanking out right now. Okay, yeah. Um, and being in St. Louis and whatnot, I I didn't really know. Like I I couldn't sit there and name a play or anything like that. But um, like George said, made a lot of upgrades. Detroit has um, in this off season, so going to be a team to watch for sure. Thumbs up though. Next, which I'm definitely fucking this name up. Andrej Palat. <laughs> no. Uh, Andre. I can't. I can never say his name correct. Um, I want to say it's it's like Andre. Um, Palat. I'm pretty sure it's it's close to Andre. Oh, so it's like Andrej. Andre, but with a J. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I was going to say it like that. And then I was like, Andrej. <laughs> um, anyway, Sometimes so he, he, yeah, he signs with the Devils. For a five-year deal, $30 million. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah. oh, oh, go okay. ahead. No, no, you go Nick's ahead. I didn't, I, I didn't actually, know. I actually know about him. Okay, all right. So, uh, I can, all right. I can, I'm sorry. I, I didn't say Nick. I just assumed. My bad. I am going to ask one question. Was he with Tampa Bay for the, the yes. Stanley Cup? Okay, all right. I, I knew he was with at least one. I wasn't sure if he yeah, was. Yeah, I, uh, I want to say he's been there definitely the last three years, but I think okay. he might have even been along with them longer. And, and I might even be wrong about the three years, so but I know he was definitely there for a cup. Gotcha. So either way, um, you know, coming from a talented team, he knows how to win a Stanley Cup. Um, you know, that's something that New Jersey – I don't know if New Jersey has a Stanley Cup win in their franchise history, um, but they definitely did not look like a team uh, that was ready for a Stanley Cup. So sort of like I said with Seattle, now you got that veteran leadership that knows how to win, um, can go in there, and, and they do have some young talent, maybe help mold them, help – build them up, get the, their full potential out of them. Um, but at the, at the very minimum, he's going to give you production and he's going to give you a, a veteran in the locker room. So I'm going to go ahead and give a thumbs up uh, to New Jersey. As far as he goes, um, you know, obviously, yes, yeah, some of these people could end up in better situations. But like we've seen just talking about the couple people that we've talked about, you know, uh, hockey is very different from other sports. You think about like the NFL or the NBA, people are chasing rings and people are chasing money. And just from what I'm learning here in this off season, hockey is not as much um, about those two things. Obviously people want to get paid for doing what they do and people want to win. Um, but it, it seems that people are going places that you wouldn't necessarily think they're going um, for a lot of different reasons. So I, I'm going to give the, give the, uh, give it a thumbs up. I don't know why I started with that so bad. <laughs> so, so this next question I have, George, I have a couple uh -huh. questions. Mm -hmm. Um, we have Max Pacioretty. 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 Uh, he signed with Carolina. He was traded with Dylan Coughlin. Yeah, so. From uh, Vegas for future mm -hmm. considerations. Yep. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> so this is. He's traded for free? <laughs> basically. I, I'm yeah. not shitting you. Vegas has themselves in such a fucked up situation that they have to give away these really good players for free because they're in cap hell because it's mainly because of the Jack Eichel, the trade and the, the deal that, you know, he got and everything. Um, they were in a, they, they lucked into the Stanley cup final their first year and they, they, they understand what kind of town Vegas is. And if you want to stay relevant, you want to keep the fans coming, you need to stay winning. Um, and so they, they basically sold their soul you know, in their first year of, of free agency and, and stuff like that, tr getting all these massive contracts, get all these really good players in with no chemistry. And 
a lot of them ended up hating each other. They choke in the playoffs. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, you know, let's we'll we'll reload. We'll do it again the next year. I want to say they made it to the, the conference finals and they choked again. And so this year, everybody was like, okay, you know, this we we can sell out for one more year. You know, like the salary cap is coming for us. We have to cut players next year. So we sold out. They they had the Donskoy uh, shit show. Um, you know, at the trade deadline, they trade him to a team that he said he never he had it in his no trade clause. Um, that falls apart. They they for some reason traded for Jack Eichel, uh, who was injured, um, and just a, a shit show in, in Buffalo trying to leave there. They bring him in, he has a massive contract, they're even more trouble. Um, they don't even make the playoffs. Um, and so yeah, they, they were in so much trouble with the cap this year that they literally had to start giving away really good players for free. Uh, Carolina just he had a huge win out of this. Uh, Patches, as he's known, is a great player. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna help bolster uh, some of those losses that they suffered. Uh, Trocheck left. Um, D'Angelo is on the defensive side, but still, I mean, it, it hurts to lose guys like that. Um, the, for as, as much as they lost, I feel like they've gained equally as much, if not even maybe gotten a little bit better. Uh, you know, they got a big goal score now with, with Pacioretty, uh, that, that front line with uh, Ajo. Um, I can't think of the other guy's name now. I'm blinking. Um, but <laughs> that's going to be an equally damaged, dangerous team next year as they were this year. Um, so, I mean, huge win for them. So the big question is, what does future considerations mean? Uh, future draft picks, uh, they can... They'll figure it out. Yeah, future. yeah, it can literally be anything. <laughs> there was a... An article came out the other day. It yeah, but literally... the trade has already happened. So, like, if Vegas is like, "Hey, we want uh, our, we want your third pick for our fourth pick," can't can't they just be like, "Yeah, go fuck yourself"? No, like, um, like they they like trade. The... That's like that's like me giving you like a fucking car and then being like, "We'll talk about the price of it later." Yeah. And then did... you already have the fucking car in a different state, and yeah. you're like. Uh, I'll give you five bucks, and they're like, I'm, I'm like, no, I was thinking ten grand. You're like, yeah, I'm thinking five bucks. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I mean it. It's the the value is already determined. Like I said, it, oh, okay. it can be like they they it's either going to be draft picks or like AHL players, something like that. There was uh an article came out the other day um in relation somebody else got traded for future considerations, and it honest to God, I don't know if it's still this way. I really hope this is not what this trade was. Um. But it used to be like next time these guys went out to a bar, like future considerations was you're gonna buy me, you're you're buying the drinks next time we go out to a bar. I shit you not. This that's... guy got sold for a beer. <laughs> I, I, I really hope the God Vegas is not that stupid, and I don't think that's even legal anymore. Uh, but who knows? Maybe it was. But yeah, no, it's like a predetermined value of like, hey, in you know a couple of years, you get to name between whether you want this draft pick or like these players. Like it's always predetermined. It's never just like. Oh, hey, remember three years ago when I traded you that really good player and now you suck and you're the first overall pick? I want your pick now. Like, it's, I'm looking it's, to collect. Yeah. No, it's, it's, the it's best not part like of that. this whole transaction was Carolina's, I think it was their Twitter, yeah. um, that, that posted a goodbye message to the future considerations. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if they were being serious or funny, but I thought it was fucking hilarious. Yeah. No, no. They're, they're, the Carolina Hurricanes Twitter account is, I fucking love it. Uh, it's, it, they're, they're hysterical. Uh, yeah, no, they were 100% like, th- thanks thanks for all that you've done for our team. Yeah. It just says future considerations. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Good shit. So, Nick, Georgia touched on um, Carolina lost. 
Vincent Trocek. Uh, the Rangers signed him for seven years for $39.375 million. What are your thoughts on that? Um, huge pickup for New York, especially if you think about um, where everybody thought they were at the end of last season versus where they actually ended uh, come the time that they were eliminated from the playoffs. Um, I don't off the top of my head. I can't think of have they lost any of their, you know, big role players. Uh, cop. I think that's uh, the biggest name to leave. Yeah. Um, I feel like they did lose a couple other names, but they like they haven't took like a major step back. Yeah. Uh, they lost their backup goaltender, but they just signed uh, Halak. Um, so they got that fixed. Uh, so yeah, I, I think yeah. other than that, they're good. So, you know, New York took, say, one step backwards and three steps forward, in my opinion. Um, you know, seven years, again, getting close to that eh, range uh, as far as contracts go. But nonetheless, um, I, I think this is a very good pick for New York or pick up for New York. And, you know, barring any major setbacks, New York is definitely going to be a team to watch out for at the top of the league next year. Sorry, George. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll pick them over the Penguins all day. Um, <laughs> you did it anyway. I know. I know. I hope you do it now. Um. So George Darcy Kemper. Kemper. Yep. All right. He signed with the wa- uh with Washington uh for five years for twenty. But he said he signed with the WAP. Yeah. I was like, man, lucky he fucking has a WAP. <laughs> um. He signed for uh yeah sorry five years twenty six million dollars. Should I that take that back? up or down? I don't know if he has the wah part, but he definitely has the fucking puh part because he's a <laughs> pup pussy. Uh, anyway, um, I'm going to honestly give this a thumbs down. Um, and uh, Colorado. Because he's he, too close to Philly now? No. Um, in Colorado, he had an amazing offense in front of him and an arguably even better defense uh, with, with Picard there and, and you know all the other guys. Uh, Johnson, both Johnsons. Um, no, only one of them is good. But uh, anyway, he he had a stacked team in front of him, and he wasn't the reason that they won the cup this year. Um, there was plenty of moments where he crumbled under the pressure when the pressure wasn't even that bad. Um, now he's going through a situation where he needs to be a freaking top-tier goaltender. Um, <laughs> yeah, because granted, Washington does have some really good goal scorers, and their defense is okay. It could definitely be better. It's definitely not on the level that Colorado's was. Um, but he's going to be facing ridiculous goal scorers in his own division now. Every, well, I mean, they, they played the mix-up schedule, but I mean, especially once you think about getting the playoffs, like when he played Edmonton, he was literally only going against uh, McDavid and Kane. Uh, Drysaddle wasn't the healthiest. Uh, the round before that, they played St. Louis. He, granted, they only dropped two games, but still, he showed plenty of signs of weakness. Um, I think he actually missed some of that series, if I can remember correctly. It feels like it's been a year ago now. Um, nonetheless, he, he's faced really tough times. Now, if you look to the Eastern Conference, if you make the playoffs, um, most likely they're going to have a divisional opponent in the first round, whether it be Pittsburgh or Carolina, whatever. They have goal scorers all across the board. You, if somehow make it to the second round, you know, you've got Tampa Bay or Florida, um, or again, you can go back to Pittsburgh or Carolina. No, no matter what round you get to, he, he's going to face a heavy goal scoring team, a heavy offensive team. Um, I don't think he's the guy to handle that. I think, 
granted, uh, Ilya Samsonov had a not great year. Definitely showed signs of, of not being a long-term guy. I know that that's what they wanted out of him when uh, Holpe left and uh, Grubauer left uh, Washington. They looked to Samsonov to be the guy. It turns out he wasn't. I honestly would take Samsonov over Kemper, uh, but that's just me. Um, for now, I'm going to give it in, in, you know, a thumb in the middle because um, we'll, we'll have to see how Sorry, it works out. Your thumb? Uh, in, in your ass. Um, but, yeah. For now, uh, I mean, this is a this is a wait and see thing, and he got paid a lot because he he won the cup. I, again, I don't think he's really the reason they won the cup, um, but I mean, we we'll have to wait and see. So you don't think he's worth like five point two five million dollars a year? I guess yeah. I mean, seeing the other contracts everybody's getting, and like I said, he's he's not a top tier goaltender. I would put him in that B C tier, like somewhere in the middle there. Depends on the night. He's had plenty of games where he could be a goddamn eight-tier goalie. He's just not consistent enough to do it. Um, so, yeah, I guess overall, seeing with the other contracts everybody else got, I'll, I'll, 5.25 is probably fair. So you think uh, before the other contracts yeah. came out, you'd have been like, no way I was paying this guy five and a quarter. But, but seeing that the other teams are paying uh, what seems like a pretty penny for a lot of these guys. Yeah. Um, At the end of the day, it's, it's hard to say. a little bit more reasonable. Yeah. It's hard to say that I wouldn't have paid him that because, like I said, he's coming off the Stanley Cup. And I, I get the upside of him. There is a tremendous upside. Like I said, the, the only my concern is, is watching him is he's not consistent. Like, if, if the Penguins would have signed him this year, I probably would have been upset. Three, well, one, our goaltender situation is, is solid, I feel like. Um, whereas, like I said, Washington, they cut Samson off. Um, they needed somebody big. I if I had to guess, I think Jack Campbell was probably going to be their first pick. Uh, Campbell, we're going to talk about here in a minute. Campbell goes to Edmonton. Um, I think this happened like late last night that Kemper signed with Washington. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think overall because of the, the what he's carrying into the season with coming off the Stanley Cup, he he definitely deserved the money. So, in my the, my biggest thing for this was like um, with. Washington getting rid of Samsonov, picking up Kemper. It's it's kind of like like you have a chocolate bar, right? Say a Hershey's chocolate bar, and you trade it to your buddy for a dollar, and then you turn around immediately and hand that dollar to somebody else for the same Hershey's chocolate bar. That's what it like. That's what it feels like to me. They didn't really, yeah. In my opinion, they didn't that's really fair. upgrade. Like you could have stuck with your boy that you already had and pretty much got the same results. Um, now I get it. Sometimes a little change of scenery is all people need. Um, you know, maybe there was some beef going on somewhere that we don't know about or whatever, but that was just my biggest takeaway from that transaction. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a fair take. Um, next we have Jack Campbell who Georgia touched on signed with the Edmonton Oilers for five years for $25 million. Nick, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I think the deal is pretty fair, especially, you know, like we were just talking about Kemper. Um, I think they're on a pretty similar level. Um, you know, Toronto, when he was in Toronto, obviously the, the, the offense was very good. Defense wasn't necessarily, you know, up to par, which is very important in front of a goalie, but nonetheless, um, I, I think he's in a better situation being in Edmonton now. Um, you know, obviously Toronto can put up points, but Edmonton, in my opinion, is more well-rounded, um, not necessarily a great team, but, you know, we've seen in the playoffs this last season that they have what it takes 
to win some games and push people, you know, farther than what other others might think. So I do think that he's upgraded, especially with some of the moves that Edmonton has made. I think it's a very good move for him. Um, if you're Edmonton, I, I really don't think you go wrong with this transaction. You know, I, I think that their goalie situation got a little better. And, you know, as we come into the year and see how things go, I think this is going to be a lot different looking Edmonton team, you know, even than what we've seen last year outperforming their expectations. Question I want to ask you both is about the last mm-hmm. one here. Kadri is the biggest free agent left. Who is the top? Two teams you think that pick him up, or does he resign? How how does how does yeah. that work? Um, I mean, if if Colorado, I think Colorado be, would be smart to resign him. The only question is is how much is he asking for? How long? Um, reports wise, I've heard uh, Calgary has uh, I think thrown their hat into the ring. Um, Trying to think of some of the other names he said. It looks Brandon. painful for you. I've heard. Think. I don't know if it's just. It, does. <laughs> it takes a lot to get my two brain cells to fucking rub together to make a thought. It really does. Um, looking like I, a SpongeBob episode. They're in the filing cabinets up there. Fucking yeah, yeah pretty much. Around. Everything's burning. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it's just because they're my favorite team, and you know your team's always going to talk about picking up the top players. Um, but I, I have seen a lot of reports of at least Seattle wanting him. Now again depending on what they're asking, Ron Francis isn't going to sell the farm in the second year of the franchise, you know, to get one great player. Um, but I have heard other than that, I'm not a hundred percent sure other than maybe Colorado resigning. So um, any thoughts on the NHL free agency before we move into NASCAR? No, I think, I think we got it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if some more like big trades come out of nowhere. I mean, the NHL always has a way of, sneakily staying in the news with just outrageous and even there might not be guys who are free agents this year uh that (laughs) may be about to just get paid uh so i mean it's something to keep your eye on but um really interesting to see how a lot of these teams just you know active throughout free agency uh it's always an interesting time of year i mean no matter what sport it is free agency is always fun because you get to see what teams are, are ready to go win and you know what teams are like okay listen it's Time to let some of these guys walk. Let's go rebuild and, and things like that. So, sure, it's uh, kind of nice having it all wrap up in two days because <laughs> you don't have to wait. But at the same time, like now you have nothing else to look forward to until the season starts. So, you know, pros and cons. Well, oh, at least like a plus for us is like, granted, like like I said, like we might have one or two like more breaking stories, but we're getting into college football season. We we have plenty yeah, of other yeah. stuff to talk about. So. It ain't, it ain't hindering us not, but Yeah, so moving into our next topic, which generally is uh, NASCAR, but um, we're going to get to talk about the Austria Grand Prix, IndyCar drama, and Atlanta. We're going to start out with the Atlanta breakdown. Um, just first off, what are your guys' thoughts on the track layout? Um, Nick, we'll start with you. It's uh, They did change the track layout. George has voiced his displeasure very, very loudly. Oh, I'm about I to do it even if, fucking louder. I, I didn't know if you agree with him or if you had gotten to see a couple laps this weekend and kind of just thought that it was meh. Like, uh, so I'm gonna be 100 percent honest. Like, I, I don't necessarily care about track layouts. Now, obviously, depending on the track layout, it can either create better racing or create worse racing. Racing, and I understand that 100. Um, but I, I personally just feel like 
no matter what the track layout is, like if every single track was different, then that creates different racing every single weekend. Um, which, you know, I, I'm just a fan of watching people go around a track really fast. Um, I, I could personally, I could care less, you know, how exactly the, the track is laid out and how it might affect it. Um, but with that being said, you know, it, there comes a certain point where if it creates too bad of racing, it just gets shitty and it's no longer enjoyable to watch. With that being said, I'll let George go ahead because I know this is probably going to take at least five minutes. Just talk um, about the track. No, I'll, I'll <laughs> I, I just hate that they've made it a super speedway. We, we already had two of those Daytona Talladega. We don't need six super speedway races a year. And the fact that it's still a mile and a half and they try to make it a super speedway just fucking boggles my mind. Um, like we, we see a lot of these guys, I don't want to say necessarily racing with no respect, but definitely they're, they're throwing their cars around a lot more. And it, you see enough shit get torn up at, at those four other races that I, I felt like these two new races that, you know, the new layout at, at Atlanta is just unnecessary. Um, I, I Listen, I, I love a good plate race. I love when they go to Talladega and, you know, you see three, four wide, especially coming to the finish. Atlanta's just not big enough to accommodate that. I would have loved when they repaved it to just put it back to the original oval like it was up until like 94, 95, uh, when they turned it into the mile and a half that it, it was for all those years since. Um, I just I just hate that we had to feel the need to add it. I mean, I, I know a lot of the drivers, I don't know how they feel since driving on it, but when it was announced, they didn't like it. Um, and I just felt it was an unnecessary change. Granted, the race was pretty okay. I mean, it wasn't terrible. The first two stages were, were good. Third stage, we had some, like, movers and stuff, but I remember looking up at one point, and it was just, like, they get the little conga line is what I always call it, where they just nose and tail, and you sit there and ride around for 20 laps. That's not the kind of racing I want to see. Um, you know, I, I want to see, like, we're, we're most likely getting ready to see it loud in this year. It would be interesting to see how it works with new package and stuff, but, you know, breaking hard they get into the corners uh you know beating and bagging you know not having a problem with it moving guys up the track um and you know we had that atlanta for years and then you know with the the, the pavement wearing away it got harder and harder but um yeah that's, that's all i'll say i just i don't enjoy the new layout um so my boy chase got it done at his home track a little bit of controversy uh but all together i mean it, it couldn't have happened at a better time because he has been saying about how he he feels as if winning Atlanta, like he, he wanted to do it so bad that it was deterring deterring him from being able to get it done. Like he was making small mess ups throughout races, mm -hmm. doing whatever happened to, to, to cause him to not even be able to like get a good finish there. Um he he so he wins the race. Um basically under a yellow flag because the white flag had flown and then he throws a block on Corey LaJoy. Corey LaJoy takes out half the fucking field. Um, and I think he was right next to Ross Chastain. And so they had to like do the slowdown. I mean, they made it dramatic. You could tell at the time that Chase Elliott had won, but they, they slow it down. They're like, Oh, yep. He was in front of Chastain. So, um, what, what were your guys' thoughts on the ending of the race? I mean, he he definitely kind of beasted his way because I mean he won both stages and the race. Uh, we'll start with you, Nick. Uh, I I don't really have a whole lot to say. Obviously, you know the ending. 
it is what it is. Um, but as far as the race goes, it was, he had a very dominant day. And at the end of the day, whether you – well, unless you really hate a driver, when you ha- see a driver have a great day like that, you know, you want to see him standing on top of the podium at the end of it. So, you know, I- I'm glad to see that he was able to do that. Um, it- it's difficult nowadays to be able to win all three stages. So congrats to him. George? Um, I don't hate him for throwing the block. Listen, it, it's like Nick's, it's very hard, not even just to win three stages, just to win a race period. I was rooting for Corey LaJoy because I like I always enjoy a good underdog story. I mean, I at least wanted him if he wasn't gonna win, I still want him to stay in the top five. Uh, that, that man works his ass off and he deserved it. Um, I don't hate the block being thrown. Listen, that's just racing. He was doing what he had to to win at his home track. The the only comment I have is I just didn't like how much dick riding NBC did on Chase Elliott. Like, I get it. Like, I'm very happy he got to finally win at his home track. But cutting back to the pool hall every 30 seconds and, and talking to Rutledge Wood and just doing – that shit got annoying. And they wouldn't do it for any – like, I, I get it. They're doing it because he's the most popular driver. But they wouldn't do that for any other driver racing in their hometown. Um, and so, like, I understand, like, making a big deal out of it. He finally gets the win there. I think they made a little bit too big of a deal. And, and it, it got to the point where it was, it was getting a little bit annoying. So the funny thing that you say about that is that the biggest complaint that I've heard is not that the uh, about the commentary uh, is that NBC has made Ross Chastain out to be the villain. They've NASCAR they've needs a villain. I don't hate that they did that. They NASCAR one, he's acting like a fucking villain by wrecking everybody. Else. And listen, I, I was I was talking to some of my friends over the weekend. I appreciate how hard he goes that he just wants to win that bad. At the same time, he's making a lot of stupid decisions at times and, and wrecking people that he doesn't need to wreck. Uh, you know, the, the incident with um, Truex, I'm not going to put all that on him. Uh, no, no, listen, no, no. it's, it's already going around. And yeah, then, it was it's it, that it is it's bump drafting a super speedway. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can point the finger at whoever you want. But the incident you think back with Hamlin, you know, every other race. And I understand you don't want to let out of the throttle. We saw what kind of car he had. He had already been the best car. His car was beat to shit, and he was still driving in the top five. You can let out of the throttle for half a second, lose a couple spots, and not wreck somebody, and you know, not be turd on your way to the finish. I don't. I don't like Hamlin making comments about it though, because Hamlin was literally that guy three. Four oh, years I, I ago. agree. Yeah, it's hypocritical. He literally but... turned Chase Elliott into the fucking wall at Martinsville. No, yeah, I agree. He's like, hypocritical. He's, he's I'm not arguing this. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I understand Martin Truex, but Martin Truex didn't even blame him completely. He was like, yeah. look, it's super speedway style racing. Like the car was going to go around whether he drove through me or not. Yeah. Um, but like I think that they, like I said, it's always good to have a, it's always makes good TV to have a villain. NBC is doing a good thing by like kind of promoting it a little bit. Like Fox, like they started to, but they're like, nope, he, he apologized. He's all good. He's, he's not a bad guy. Everybody loves Ross. It's because now- of, because everyone loves him. The dude literally throws a fucking watermelon on the ground and then yeah, eats it after he wins. But he's, I, like, he's like Carl Edwards. Like, yeah. he's like that guy. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, it's a lot of fun. I, I enjoy that there's, there's finally a villain in not just NASCAR, but like I said, every, I think every motorsports needs to it's have been it. It's Kyle Busch for her, as yeah. long as we can remember. And, and that kind of got tired out. Like, like right. I said, you know, before, at the beginning of the year, I kind of, I don't really hate Kyle Busch anymore just because I, like, I understand where he's coming from. Whereas, Ross Chastain is a good guy on the outside, but once he gets in the car, like it, and I don't want to say this, but it almost reminds me of, of, of Arnhardt, where if I'm not winning the damn race, I'm running you the fuck over. And that, that's kind of his mentality. And 
that's not what we've seen in NASCAR for years, and it's rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. And now we have a villain, like a verified villain, who's, who's out there doing anything he can to win, but pissing off a lot of people on the, on the way. So so I forget who they were talking about, but uh, I had heard that someone kind of acted like this when they first came into the series, when it was uh, Petty and Earnhardt, and that it had come out years later that Petty and Earnhardt actually sat down with him they they showed up at at his uh at his garage where this guy's car was being worked on and stuff throughout the weeks mm-hmm. and basically told him that if he continued it he was going to be eating a lot of concrete walls the rest of the season. Um, I do remember I that. I can't funny. remember. Yeah, and I can't remember his name. But. I just think it's funny, but uh, I I wonder if something like that eventually happens. I mean, D- Denny Hamlin hasn't come out. I don't know like, if I'm gonna fucking has wreck the balls him. like Earnhardt and Petty to go to somebody's right. garage and tell him that though. No, no, no. <laughs> Hamlin has basically said that, like, look, it's going to come back to get him at the worst time. Uh, but also, Hamlin's in a situation where he can't really talk right now because he's got so much shit going on around him. I mean, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about it a little next, but he came out and said that basically uh, when his tire had come off, they take that crew member, like the crew chief and, like, the fucking tire chief or something like that. They're gone for the race, and they're fined, like, $40,000, whatever the deal is. And Joe Gibbs Racing basically said that he could have two backup guys come onto his team to replace the tire guy and the other person, or he could take two of the guys from Bubba Wallace because JGR supplies their pit crew members. And he had said, like, no, he's not going to take from Bubba Wallace's team and that he's just going to take the backup guys. I mean, he's getting himself into kind of sticky water here because he'd rather take two guys that aren't, let's say, so-called starters because that's his team that he owns. And instead of like trying to make the 11 team the best that it can be. So, I mean, that coupled with the fact that he's had so many problems in the past couple of years with his, him and Joey Logano. I mean, his, his reenactment of Joey Logano saying that's just short t- track racing. It pisses me off every time I see his face do that. <laughs> uh, the only thing I'll say about the, the, I wouldn't want to take from fucking Bubba Walsh's team either. Like I know they switched this week for Atlanta, but his pit crew is fucking dog shit. And oh, so yeah. I I don't blame him for not wanting to take something from Bubba That's Wallace's fair. team. Um, but sticking with Denny Hamlin, uh, it was pretty crazy to see they had a, a Toyota drivers meeting this past week. Um, it was like a invite only, so the reporters were only the ones that the drivers feel comfortable with, and they invite to be included in the meeting. And I think it was Claire B. Lang who does like a bunch of podcasts on the NASCAR as uh. Sirius XM thing, but she was like talking to him, and then he was Tyler Reddick shows up in the Zoom call, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Uh, Tyler, I think you got into the wrong Zoom call," and he's like, "Oh, what, huh?" And Denny's like, "Actually, he's not in the wrong Zoom call. I want to take this uh, opportunity to announce that in 2024 he has signed uh, with 2311 Racing to drive, which is just fucking crazy because literally mm-hmm. just last week." Tyler Reddick signed with RCR for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in that in that signing last week uh, with RCR, they had they had interviewed Richard Childress, and Richard Childress was like, it's it's hard to keep a young guy like this that's such a great driver because um he's literally being offered the world from some of these owners. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know if you know, but I don't own the world. He's like, so I'm offering what I got and and that that's my best offer on the table. Well, it's nothing compared to what these other these other owners have to offer him. Mm-hmm. So it, it was just funny that 
to look back at that comment and then literally fucking six, later. seven days later, yeah. he's he signs with one of the richest sports athletes in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are your uh, thoughts on him going there, uh, sticking with RCR for another year, and then heading there? I mean, I think career-wise, it's a good move. Like, I think RCR is basically at their ceiling. Like, mm-hmm. Reddick is carrying that that team. Uh, Austin Dillon is a fucking dog shit driver. I can't fucking stand him. And now he gets a reality TV show. Uh, I'm tired of seeing the fucking ads for that every five minutes. Um, but I mean, Reddick is a generational talent, and, and RCR was kind of hanging their hat on him to because I mean they had Arnhart, and when Arnhart passed away, they had Harvick. And then they kind of pissed Harvick off and Harvick left. And they haven't had anybody remotely even close to being that good since Harvick left, uh, unless Austin Dillon walks ass backwards into a fucking win. Um, yeah, I think Jeff Burton was there af- uh, after he, Harvick. He no, drew, he left no, at before. the same, at same time. Yeah, he was there at the same yeah, time, he but he left one singular car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, so it's, it's a good move for Reddick, I think. 2311 is going in the right direction. They're going to keep building that team up and he's going to be a championship contender when he gets there. I just think it's really fucking shitty the way, I mean, not just him, but the way Denny Hamlin did it. Um, you're announcing this a year and a half early. Uh, I mean, this guy still has to go through the rest of, of this season. And then the next season, it, it would have been one thing at the beginning of next season, or even after this year to be like, Hey, after my 2023 season, you know, I'm going to be heading over to 2311 uh, to announce it the middle of this year. Um, you know, this, this team already has a, a ton invested into him here. He has right a win. after he won. Yeah. He's, he's taken them to the playoffs. If I'm, if I'm RCR, fuck that. Like I, I, I've, he gets all the, the, the broken shit the rest of this year, next year. Like they, they put him in such a difficult situation. Uh, and it, I don't it's know if you can be broken shit though. Cause Austin Dillon's not going to be able to drive the fucking regular car. <laughs> like even but, if they switch the entire teams of Austin yeah, Dillon, ain't no, going nowhere. no, um, but it, I just think it puts him in a very shitty situation. And RCR, too. Yeah. I mean, that, that's going to... Can you imagine him walking to work the next day? Like, having to act like nothing happened and, like, go about, like, the, the racing debriefs or, like, you know, prepping for Loudon this week. And the team's like, why why, why do I want to put any work into you if, if you know, it, it's going to be all for nothing? I just think it's good career move in the future, but just a really shitty way to do it. Uh, and I think overall, I think this might be a death blow for RCR. You know, like I said, they, they've been struggling. Reddick was, was supposed to, you know, carry them forward. Um, you know, our, Richard is, is getting old, um, you know, and there's been a lot of talk. I don't know how legitimate it is that, you know, Arnhart should buy or Junior should buy the team. And, you know, I don't know if how likely that is, if that's what Junior really wants to do. I know he's expressed about going cup racing you know, with his team in the past, um, but uh, with with Reddick leaving, it's going to be very hard to find another talent to, to to plant that. You know, Noah Gregson's coming up. Does he want to wait two years to go cup racing? Uh, you know, he could probably find a filler team in the meantime. Um, but just, I didn't like how it happened. So I have a quick comment on that because I, I have two things that I want to just touch on here quick. And then, sorry, Nick, I jumped in front of you again. Um, oh, no, I, you're good. I wasn't. So So the big thing that I think is, Junior has expressed that he wants to start a Cup Series team at some point. Mm-hmm. He's also expressed that the first driver he wants to sign is Martin Truex Jr., who just signed with JGR Racing again. So I don't think that that happens for at least three years um, unless they have some sort of plans of him buying Truex out. I think that that's like a foolproof plan of him. If he was able to start a team, 
even if it's like Earnhardt Childress Racing, whatever the fuck, like, you know, whatever the deal is, if he's able to get that team because it fits in with the 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 line that they already do. I mean, they take their engines from Hendrix. He already supplies his Xfinity drivers to Hendrick. Like, um, I mean, the only the only downfall for it is that Hendrick doesn't get all of the Xfinity drivers anymore because they'd be fed into his Cup Series team. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing that I would say is that I think that this is just bad for twenty three eleven. Uh, their their game plan once Reddick gets there. I mean, they also announced that Kurt Busch is going to be in the front office at some point. They didn't say necessarily at that time, but it just kind of seems that it came out at the same time as they signed Tyler Reddick. Um, I mean, Kurt Busch is the only one to win for this team. Uh, I know that Bubba Wallace um, has been a pivotal part of this team, but he hasn't performed. I mean, I know this year he has had a shitty pit crew, and so it hasn't helped him out. But I just think that in terms of like getting their best their best performers out there, um, it, it would just be a, a real disappointment if Kurt Busch retires and goes into the front office at that point after bringing at this point the only win to twenty three eleven through two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick, what are your thoughts on Tyler Reg? Yeah, um, kind of along the same lines as uh, what George said. You know, imagine. Let's say football, for example. Um, I'll use Terry McLaurin because he's probably my favorite player on my favorite team. You're Terry McLaurin. Say he doesn't sign his contract extension that he just signed. Um, so he's got this coming season that he's playing with for us. Imagine any other team in the NFL says, you know what? After this season, since you're not going to be signing with Washington anymore, we're going to sign you. And they sign some contract for two years from now. Uh, like. Imagine how, again, like you said, that team feels like, look, we're, you know, we're supposed to be trying to invest in you. We understand that, you know, you're probably going to be leaving after this season, but it's, it's hard to focus on the task at hand and at what you're supposed to be doing to help your team when you're thinking about two years from now, say being on a better team, um, you know, and, and vice versa. It's hard for the team to sit there and put a hundred percent of their effort into you knowing that you're going to be leaving in two years. Um, so I definitely, again, I, I think that it was a great move for him. I don't agree with the way that it went down. Um, it, it was kind of funny, just him popping up, popping up in the Zoom call and then being like, hey, I think you're in the wrong Zoom call. Um, but nonetheless, you know, it, not, or racing in general kind of creates this for us. Like we talked about Alexander Rossi in a previous podcast. Um, you know, this happens quite often, normally about like halfway through a season for the next season. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen, you know, a year and a half in advance them saying, hey, he's going to be, you know, he signed a contract with us. He's going to be here. Um, but, you know, I, I guess that's something that is now Reddick 2311 and uh, uh, Childress's problem. So I totally blanked on his fucking name for a second. <laughs> So, so moving into, I want to talk about the IndyCar drama first, George, because mm-hmm. I found this hilarious when I, I saw all the drama going on. So my understanding is that Chip Ganassi releases that, uh, I'm going to fuck his name up, Palou, Palau? Uh, Alex Palou. Palou. Had, had I even re-signed. said it wrong after Fuck him, both of you, Jesus. Yeah, he well, I heard signed. him say, and it just came right out of my mouth. I was like, wait. So, that, so Chip Ganassi had released that he signed an extension with them. Mm-hmm. He comes out and says that's not true. And then 
a little bit later, McLaren comes out and says they signed him. And he was like, that is true. And now Chip Ganassi is trying to fight like clauses and whatnot. And I've heard like, I mean, George put this down that they are, there are like talks of benching him possibly like what the, why would they release that? He signed an extension. Is that to like try and buy them some time to get the extension bought before someone else signs him? Like what's the deal there? So he had a clause like a, uh, that it was a team option that they could pick up to have him stay with the team next year and then try and work out a contract next year. If they did, like if they want to pick it up, he could go sign with whoever he wants. So they picked that up and the, the fabricated part of this came when they like pulled a random quote that he had said in like some other interview and just stuck it in the press release and, and put it out. So Polo comes out. He's like, hold on. He's like, I, I didn't want them to pick up that option. He's like, I, I didn't agree to that. And he's like, that quote also wasn't from me, all this other stuff. And then an hour later, it comes out. He goes, uh, McLaren's like, oh, welcome to the team, Alex. And Alex is like, yep, can't wait. But at the same time, McLaren has signed a lot of fucking drivers here recently. Uh, And so there's a lot of question of, is he going to be an IndyCar driver? Is he going to Formula One? Is he going to some other form of of racing within the team? Because they have uh, two Formula One drivers on the roster right now, but they also just signed Rossi. Uh, they have, well, I can't think of his name, uh, Pato Award uh, on the team already. Obviously, Felix Rosenquist is most likely going to be out after this season, but um, that's still three drivers. I don't think they're going to add another IndyCar. I mean, I know Pato has really wanted to go uh, Formula One racing, uh, so he might go over and take Ricardo's place. I, if, I think Ricardo has a deal through next year. Maybe they send Ricardo over here to, to run IndyCar. McLaren just has a very weird situation going on and they might have to take him uh, Polo over to IndyCar um, or excuse me, Formula One for a year, just so that there, there's no like contract issues or legal issues there. If, if they somehow get him to race in, in IndyCar next year, um, it, we've just like hit the tip of the iceberg with this. This is going to be a very weird situation going forward um, and trying to figure out, but there was a lot of rumors going on that, uh, Chip was trying to get Tony Kanaan to come drive the car this weekend. And everybody's asking what's going on. And Tony's like, I'm going to the SRX race. He's like, I'm not doing this. Uh, and so, but there, there's been definitely been a lot of rumors about like, he might get benched and he's in the middle of the championship battle. He's not out of it by any means. Um, it's a very weird situation. Like I said, there's a lot more coming. It'll be interesting to see how McLaren just figures itself out going forward. Nick, what's your thoughts on this situation? Yeah. Um, obviously you know somebody fucked up somewhere uh they you know they obviously thought that they had a contract extension obviously they didn't um he didn't agree with the way things were going down uh somebody dropped the ball somewhere and it if i'm ganassi i'm embarrassed um and maybe that's why he's talking about benching a possible you know championship contender um whatever the situation may be uh, I think that he's going into a better situation. You know, McLaren, like George talked about, you know, they have the IndyCar options. They have the Formula One options. How they're going to figure that out, that's their problem. Um, you know, we'll keep updated, obviously, as more information comes out. But you have somebody that is currently sitting in championship contention, and you're sitting there, first of all, you know, making shit up about a contract extension. But then on top of that, 
you know, you're saying, oh, well, we might bench him. Like, you sound fucking stupid, to be honest and honest with you. Like, this man is obviously leaving next year. The way the way it's currently sits right now, obviously things could change. We'll see. Um, but as it sits right now, the man's leaving this year. This could be your best chance at, at getting a championship here in the near future. Like, uh, I wouldn't ruin it by benching the man just because you're pissed off. So uh, that's really all I have to say about it. I mean, just so, it's not Polo's option to leave. Like, if he wants to leave, he has to, like, find a legal way out of it. Like, it's it's a team option that Ganassi picked up. Like, it was it was their choice. They said, that, like, granted, yeah, they, they lied about, you know, the, the, the quote and everything. Um, but at the end of the day, like, if Polo doesn't want to come back, he had to find a way to get out of that contract because yeah. it's Ganassi's choice. And Ganassi, like, he just won the championship last year. They're not just going to let Polo walk. And, and yeah. you know, I, so I understand why they're upset about it. But yeah, from a legal standpoint, they have the right away here. They they had they picked up the option. Uh, so if if they want or if uh, Polo and McLaren want him out of that contract, they they need to legally find a way to get yeah. around that. And it's I, if they do, I guarantee it's going to include a lot of fucking money. Yeah, but at the same time, like I mean, you're sitting here talking about benching him now. Like, do you really want a driver who obviously doesn't want to race for you? You know what I mean? Like. So that's just, yeah, that's why I would bench him. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean for next season though. Not, oh. not, yeah, not the remainder of this season, but like next, you know, you're sitting here and you're like, no, we're keeping you. Like, well, obviously the motherfucker doesn't want to race for you. Like, you know, you're talking about benching him now. Why the fuck mm-hmm. are you even that worried about? It? And like, I don't know, like, I guess if they put the paperwork in that said, yeah, you know, we're extending him. I don't know if legally they can be like, you know what? We change our minds, you know, go do whatever. Like, I, I don't know how that shit works. So whatever. We'll, as we find out more information, we'll talk about it. Yeah, so I, I just think that it, it, it has been quite the week in sports just in general. Um, we had the Austria Grand Prix. Um, George, do you want to just give us a quick breakdown on that? Yeah, I know you guys don't really like Formula One, uh, but I it was on at 9 in the morning. I didn't have anything else to do on Sunday, uh, so I, I watched the race. Um Super entertaining race, a lot going on. Uh, Haas, Mick Schumacher gets points again. Uh, the team gets double points. Um, Leclerc finally gets a win, but Ferrari fucks up a one-two finish again uh, because Carlos Sainz's engine blows. Uh, the big meme came of it because uh, about 10 laps before that, uh, Ferrari went over the radio and said, oh, we're going to plan E. Everybody's like, oh, what does plan E mean? And literally 10 laps later, his engine blows up, and everybody's like, oh, plan E meant engine blew up. Um, so Leclerc makes a little bit of ground, but with Verstappen finishing second place, obviously not a whole lot. Um, but we're getting to the summer here. I think obviously Ferrari has figured something out, winning the last two races. Um, if they can just get their strategy and, and their their ability to, to to last a whole race, uh, they can definitely you know continue to close that gap, gap, make it a lot more interesting uh, throughout <laughs> uh, throughout the rest of the season. Uh, personally, I'm rooting for Leclerc, but I mean, I, I just always enjoy, um, especially the last few years, how these the championship battles have gone down. Um, the race overall, that was, was really good. I mean, drivers are pushing the track limits. I think there was like 70, over 70 black, black and white flags warning drivers about track limits. I think five drivers got time penalties. Um, just full of interesting storylines. Uh, it was a very interesting, very fun race to watch. And now they're going to fucking France, and that's the shittiest race. <laughs> so, real quick, you are top five. Um, yeah, fuck your dinner, Nick. 
We'll do a top three instead of a top five. Nick, I you give us first. Skip a little bit. Um, yeah, so hold on. I got to bring my list back up real quick. But go ahead. Explain to the people what we're So what our, we're top our top three of this top week three. is uh, who are your top three predictions to win the championship this year in NASCAR? We've gotten to see uh, 20-some races so far. Uh, and so we've gotten a good look at who's going to be a real competitor this year and who's not. Yeah. Um. I'm going to stick within the top. Let me make sure. No, you know, um, I'm going to go ahead and go. How many races do you say we got left? There's five races left, I think, in the in just in the regular season. And then there's 10 races in the championship. OK, so who um, winning the whole season. Yeah, when I was there's seven regular little... season races left. OK, so there's. There's 17 total races left, seven in the regular season. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to have to go with the current points leader, Chase Elliott, as a one. Um, two, in no particular order necessarily. I'm not saying like this. But I think this person has a better chance. But nonetheless, uh, I'm going to have to go Kyle Larson for second. And uh, I'm going to go slightly back the list here, currently sitting in seventh uh, for my number three with Joey Logano. George, what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I have six, but I'm going to go through them really quick. Uh, honorable mention, Ryan Blaney. Uh, fifth, I have Kurt Busch. Uh, fourth, I have Tyler Reddick, even though we just said that RCR is going to fuck him up now. Uh, third, <laughs> I actually have Chase Briscoe. Uh, Stuart Haas Racing is coming on. He's already won at Phoenix this year. Um, number two, I have Kyle Larson. And number one, I have Chase Elliott. Fuck you both. You guys are the worst at jinxing someone. Literally the entire time that you I'm guys originally had a podcast, you. you guys would pick someone. As soon as you both picked the same thing, that fucker like hit a wall, got a concussion, died. Whatever their sport, whatever the worst outcome is for their sport, that fucking happened. You, you wonder what's crazy? Like, I was debating I have, not picking him, but I have all this shit I, hanging on the walls, and not one of them tell me that I need to give a fuck about your favorite <laughs> driver. Well, look at I who's on the wall. Look at who's on the wall. The big bears. They ain't done shit. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> Say what's up to my cat, but I yeah. I almost didn't pick him, but I was like, you know what, Slade's gonna love me picking him. So uh, that's a cool looking pussy. Oh, Even yeah. worse that George picked him. <sighs> okay, so my so honorable like, All right, mention. So number one is Chase Elliott. My honorable mention <laughs> is uh is gonna be Martin Truex Jr. He is the top of the non race winners this year in points. I think he's sitting in like thirteenth mm-hmm. or fourteenth right now. Blaney's the top non not race winner. Oh. Well, anyway, he's actually sixth in points. Um when they take out the race wins, which I mean, I, I think eventually they need to get past the race wins thing. I think maybe not this season, but at some point it's gonna get to where there's more race wins than there is spots for the playoffs and they have to go to the points. At that point it'll be nice, but because you'll get to actually see the points matter. Mm-hmm. Um in third, I'm gonna go with Kevin Harvick. I know that he hasn't won either, but I think that he's going to be the he's going to he's going to end up uh, outperforming his teammate Stuart Haas. Um, third, I'm going to go with Kyle Busch. I think that Kyle Busch is going to turn it on. He's got so much going on outside of NASCAR, and I think that he is going to turn it on. He's going to sign the largest contract in NASCAR history because he hasn't re-signed yet. Um, 
they're working right now with Toyota to to try and figure out a way for him to to be a lifelong Joe Gibbs racer. Um, but and then number one, fuck you both, Chase Elliott. <laughs> All right, so Chase Elliott's out in the first round of the fucking playoffs this year. Yeah, that should be fun to watch. Uh. But that will do it for our show this week. Uh, we always have a lot of fun bringing this to you guys. Another long episode, and we only had technically three topics, but you get us on hockey and we don't shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, 100%. But uh, we will be back next week with Just another episode. Oh, I know. Uh, there's a, we're gonna, um, Dude, we're going to be putting out four, pot, four episodes <laughs> a week. Um, but uh, we will be back next week uh, reviewing the Open Championship. Uh, any more free agency news that comes out in the NHL. Uh, NASCAR's at Loudoun, IndyCar's at Toronto. I think F1 has a week off. Um, but most and fucking importantly, college football preview next week, baby. Let's fucking yeah, go. Sure. Uh, we're going to start with the group of five conferences uh, and get that out to you. Just get the shitty ones out of the way. Um, but we'll bring that to you next week. We're super excited for that. Uh, so another fun show coming next week. Uh, go follow the socials. Nick has finally got shit together with TikTok and he started posting again. Uh, I still do not have my shit together with Instagram uh, and none of us have our shit together with Twitter, but we're, we're, we're trying, we're trying to get better, yeah, but uh, show us some love uh, and we will see you guys next week. See you guys. Go eat your dinner, Nick.